0: Turn your Bible to Psalm 85 and Matthew chapter 3. Psalm 85 and Matthew chapter 3. I believe you're the greatest people in all God's world. Do you know there are a lot of churches that don't have service on Sunday night anymore? I've been amazed at church after church that give up on Sunday night. I don't know why they do that. I appreciate you, it was cold in here this morning and most of you were aware of that and you came back tonight anyway. And some that were so cold this morning they had to have a blanket said they don't even need a blanket tonight. They got warmed up inside or something. Well I just thank the Lord for you. God bless you and I'm so glad Miss Sue is back at the piano. God bless you Miss Sue, we're grateful for you and Bob. And Miss Carol Peacher, we're so thrilled to have you here today. You've been a wonderful blessing to us. We thank God for you. And that song was beautiful this morning. And you're playing with, with Andrew tonight. I almost always call him Scott, but uh, Andrew, that was beautiful. God bless you. All right. Now before we read from the Word, I wonder if anyone has a word of testimony you want to share. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. God bless you, Joseph. He's he's thirteen years old. God bless you, Joseph. Anybody else? <clears throat> well, this is precious, isn't it? Let me give you this passage from the Bible in Psalm eighty-five. Brother Barry read it a little while ago. It's so impressive and beautiful. It reminds us of how good God has been to us. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered their sins. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? I want to stop right there. And in these few verses, six verses, the psalmist has given us how good God is, how wonderful God is, how he's been good to us. And we can say that as Americans, we can say that as a people of God, We can say that as a church, we can say it as individuals, God is good. But then the psalmist is aware that he isn't everything he ought to be. And we are aware of that. And he says, Lord, are you going to keep your anger on us forever? He's already gotten through saying, we know that you don't do that. But he's so aware of his own need that he cries out, God, will you keep your anger on us forever? You and I need to come to a point like that. Sometimes we can get a case orori all, all attitude. Everything's all right, everything's going my way." I think it was Gershon who wrote, "Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Everything's going my way." And a lot of times we look at it like that. Those who lived through the depression years knew that everything wasn't going their way. There were heartaches. There were hurts. There was little food. There were few jobs. A lot of heartaches. A lot of people committed suicide. A lot of people lived in little shacks. We didn't have the standard of living we have today. And those who are old enough to remember that can look back and say, Thank you, Lord, for helping this great nation come beyond that tragedy of the Great Depression. And we came through the tragedy of World War II and then Korea, and Vietnam. and God has been good to us. I guess we're one of the few nations on earth that has never had a bomb dropped on one of our cities from an enemy nation. We've had some terrorists, some within our citizenship, and some on the outside who tried to attack us. But America has been greatly freed from all of that tyranny. So surely we can say tonight, Lord, thank you for your goodness. Almost all these testimonies said the same thing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for making me whole. Thank you for giving to me a life so full and free. Love so full and free. Thank you, Lord. But then the psalmist says, Wilt thou not revive us again? Now, why do you think he would say that right in the middle of a praise psalm? Will you not revive us again? He recognized that even though God is good to us and has been wonderful to us, that we're not as wonderful to him as we ought to be. There's some problems that we face. There's some enmity in our lives. Our nation needs some help. In 1789, France went through a hell on earth in the bloodbath we call the French Revolution. England, our mother country, faced the same fate, but a man by the name of John Wesley heard the call of God, and answering the summons, he preached in fields And open plains calling England back to God. Revival came. England was saved. In 1740, the American colonies faced the same challenges and calls of a new era. The revolution was near. Immorality and atheistic thinking were rampant. Jonathan Edwards heard God's call and preached. The Great Awakening ensued, ushering in an era of courage, spiritual fortitude and power that set the pace for America's Declaration of Independence and nationhood, sparing this great nation from the graveyard of nations and providing spiritual principles upon which America has been built. We don't have time tonight to list the spiritual accomplishments of Savanarola Philly Finney, Whitfield, Brainerd, Moody, Torrey, Sundy, Gibson, Lee. Who knows but that the potent preaching of today's Billy Graham is even now stemming the tides of hell that are unleashed on the very shores of America. A few weeks ago, our young people at Anchor Christian School took a trip to Red River Meeting House. Let me read you about the revival of 1900, 1800. It was one of the most wonderful events of modern times. It appeared more like the sudden conversion of a nation than the regeneration and reformation of individuals. If a traveler had passed through the whole breadth of the settled portions of North America in 1799, he would have heard the songs of the drunkard, the loud swearing, the obscenity of crowds around taverns, and the bold, blasphemous vaunting of infidels in every village and hamlet. If he had returned in 1801, he would have heard instead the proclamation of the gospel to awed multitudes, earnest prayers in the groves and forests, and songs of praise to God all along the public thoroughfares. While this wonderful religious awakening spread with great rapidity over the entire country, from the Atlantic coast to the extreme frontier settlements of the Great West, In no other locality was it so deep and powerful as in Kentucky, where the people had been most profane in their everyday conversation and blatant in their coarsest type of infidelity. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The revival began at the Red River Meeting House in Logan County. And God can do that again. But it waits for us. R.A. Torrey said there's a threefold formula for revival. Now in three weeks, October the 22nd, we're going to begin a series of meetings. Brother Mike Rout will be here. Mike is one of the foremost preachers of Kentucky. He's from here. He was saved and baptized and called to preach and married right here at this place. And Mike is leading in the conservative resurgence In Kentucky, one of the great leaders, there are other churches in other states trying to get him. He's a prominent preacher. He's going to be with us during those days, but he's not going to have a revival in his suitcase. The revival has to come through you and me. And revival can start anywhere, anytime a man is willing to draw a circle around himself And say, Lord, use me. R.A. Torrey said, here's how revival comes. Find a few people who really get their hearts right with God. They get their sins confessed to God. They acknowledge those sins in their own lives. One of our problems. We get so filled with ourselves and so filled with pride that we forget to say, Lord, wilt thou not revive us? Dear God, help us at Glendale Baptist Church to always know that we we live on the verge, the precipice of indifference and carelessness and pride and self-will. And not until we get to that point where we realize there's a need if you just got through eating a big steak dinner, and you finish it off with pumpkin pie and ice cream and all the trimmings, and then somebody say, "Well, here I'm going to have fried chicken in about a half an hour. Would you come?" Some of you might, out of politeness, say, "Yes, I'll come." Most of you say, "I'm not hungry. I've already eaten." That's the way with revival. If we've eaten at the cesspools of life, if we've sat before the God of a television, if we've gotten so involved in the everyday, routine, mundane things of life so there's no spiritual hunger, there won't be any revival. It'll be business as usual. When you and I get to a point where we say, Lord, I'm disturbed. I'm disturbed because last year our church only baptized 50 55 people in an area where there are 80,000 people about 70,000 of them don't go to church anywhere. I'm disturbed Lord because when the preacher gives us this little sheet and asks us to write people's names on here that I know that are not saved or that are inactive our people don't turn in a sheet. They don't have anybody in their heart. That disturbs heaven. Does it disturb you and me? R.A. Torrey said, find a few people, not necessarily a bunch of people, but a few people. When the Red River Meeting House revival began, the preacher was there and three or four other people. And some of you who've been down to that place know that it only seats about 40 people, there were just a handful. And then more began to come. And then more began to come. They didn't give up because there was just a handful. They didn't say, well, we'll not have services next Sunday night because there's just a few people coming. They kept at it and kept at it. And they kept praying. And they kept their hunger before God. And finally, that hunger began to spread. And after a while, in that little courtyard where the cemetery is now, down there at the Red River Meeting House, there were 20,000 people, and they came to camp out. They didn't go home after the service. They were hungry to hear the Word of God. They didn't look at their watches to see when the preacher would finish so they could get out and go somewhere else. They stayed, and when the service was over, they said, Brother, will you preach again? Let's have another prayer meeting. They stayed all night. They brought their campers in, their, their wagons in, And spent the night. After a while, the camp meeting went on for two or three years. The first camp meeting in in the world. Right down here in Logan County. A great revival. And you know what happened from it? Spiritual concern began to spread. Liquor houses closed not because of legislation, but because nobody went to them. The theaters had a hard time because nobody wanted to go to the theater. They were so taken up with their spiritual concern. And out of that came the second great awakening in America. R.A. said, secondly, get these people who have this concern together and pray for revival until God opens the heavens and sends revival." Jesus said, blessed are they that are hungry and thirsty after righteousness. They shall be filled. Thirdly, he said, put yourself at God's disposal to be used to win the lost. God has no hands but our hands. Now there's some people who don't want revival because when that comes, schedules get mixed up. In 1961, we had a spiritual awakening. Some of you were here at that time. Some of our people didn't like it. This place got so packed with teenagers and young people that adults stood at the door and couldn't get in. The services went on until midnight. And we heard people, we answer the telephone and they say, is that revival meeting still going on? My kid went over to the meeting. Is he not home yet? I said, no, the meeting isn't over yet got over about 12.30 or 1. You say, that's nonsense. No, it was God dealing with people. And people lined up to come and give testimonies. If you were here at that time, you remember that. Why did that happen? Now listen. There were a few few young people, just a few, Darla Stone was one of them. Ronnie Hicks was one of them. Two or three others. We began to pray. They started a morning watch service on Friday morning at 6.30. They paid the price of getting out of bed early. Young people, they didn't really have to wake them up. They just came. Some of the ladies said, well, we'll serve hot chocolate and donuts before they go to school. And those young people directed their own service. I was there. A few other adults were there. And it began to spill over into the high school. After a while, we started a Good News Club at Bowling Green High and had 160 kids attending that thing. The kids would carry their Bibles to school and some of the teachers would make fun of them. And they kept on doing it. One night in the revival meeting, we had five football players in the, in the baptistry at one time. From that began an unbroken chain of young men and young women who have walked down the altar and have said, Lord, here am I. Use me. Use me. Use me. Until tonight, we have over 200 of kids that sat where we sit tonight. They're out preaching the word, out in mission stations, out around the world, serving the Lord. They did what R.A. Torrey said. And I want to tell you, revival can come again. Most people have never experienced a real revival. We've, We've had protracted meetings. We've had meetings when people got saved. Thank God for that. But as far as a meeting that would really touch the lives of people everywhere, most people have never seen that. God can do it. We can't say, Lord, do what you did in 1961. We serve a God of the future. We need to say, Lord, do whatever we need. But I want to be part of a revival that goes on right now. I want to give my life to you. I want to ask God to use me. And I want to confess any sins in my life that that I need to get rid of. My pride. You know one of the things that disgusts heaven? Listen to this. When some kid walks down the aisle and prays for somebody or wants to get saved. And some pride filled adult sits back there and says, Oh, they just kids go down there. They do that all the time. Service is over, they march out the back door, never come down to shake hands with anybody. You know what God will do? He'll give us a famine, a spiritual famine. For people getting saved, if you can do it like that. If you can say that doesn't make any difference to me, I'm just going to walk on out, God will say, okay, I'll pass over and use some other church. I want to challenge you to get excited when somebody gets saved, to pay the price in prayer. And when someone does come, make a beeline and stand in the line if it's necessary for two hours, come down there and shake hands with them. I came from a church at the time I was there, it was a great revival church. Though they never had protracted meetings, they had revival every Sunday. Every Sunday, five or six, seven, or eight, ten people get saved. Every Sunday. Baptized maybe every Sunday night or every other Sunday night. In those years that Dr. Gibson was there. You know what I learned? Now, in those early years, my dad was not a Christian. I told you the other day that Brother Gordon is the only person that ever told me he witnessed to my dad, and my dad told him he was trusting Christ. That was my dad was an old man. But during those early years, after I got saved, I wanted to get in that line and come and shake hands. Dad said, What's going on down at Walnut Street? You're always the last one to leave. I said, Daddy, somebody got saved tonight. Our church got all excited and they stood in line clear back to to." to uh, 3rd, 3rd Street, and they walked down here. People stood literally to the back of the building in that great big church. I get so ashamed. I love you, but I get so ashamed when I stand at that back door and see God's wonderful people walking out that door. Instead of coming down here to say, Lord, I'm sorry for my pride. I apologize to you for my pride. I want to thank you That that black girl got saved this morning. That that other black boy came and said he was saved and he wanted to be baptized. I want to thank you. I didn't mean to fuss tonight. I'm just telling you we need revival. If I can impress on my heart and your heart. Oh God. Cause us to be disturbed about the lostness of people. And help us not to be indifferent and spiritual struggles are going on. I wonder how many of you pray for each other? Do you know nobody in this building has reached the end zone? I played a little bit of football. Nobody ever wanted me on their team, but I played a little football. I know what it means to pass a goal line and so on. And do you know, you don't reach the end zone till you cross that line. You don't make a touchdown till you cross that line. That ball doesn't get the extra point till it crosses the line in between those lines. You and I are not home yet. there's not one person in this room who's in heaven yet and as long as we're here we're going to have spiritual struggles. We've going to have ups and downs. God forbid that we should look down our nose at somebody's going through a spiritual struggle. God forbid that Christians should be the only army in the world that shoot they're wounded let's lift them up help them back going for God Lord send a revival and let it begin in me will you close your eyes what happens when revival comes schedules are changed we get concerned about the sanctification of our own lives we want to set ourselves apart to God service becomes paramount we realize how dependent on the Lord we are. Father, do that again. Send a spirit of revival among our people in my own heart and all of us. Lord, send a revival. Let it begin in me. As we close the service tonight, if there's anybody here who would like to just come and kneel at the altar and say, Lord, I want to pray for revival and offer myself to you. I want you to do something in my life. You just come, even right now. I ask the organist and pianist to find the song Oh How I Love Jesus. You're seeing the words, Lord send a revival. Let it begin in me.